If you're enjoying Hitting the Marks, then check out our show, Heels and Quads Wrestling Podcast, because we are everything similar and everything different. Sometimes we blade and sometimes we do it the hard way. We cover everything from the news to the matches and from the past, present, and predicting the future. That's Heels and Quads Wrestling Podcast. Tell your friends. Tell your enemy. This is your United States of America. Speak your mind. Cross the line now, say the truth. It is Friday, June 1st, 2018, and you are tuned in to Season 2, Episode 22 of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by TheGorillaPosition.com, and presented by Hameen Media. On this week's show, we've got your WWE review, your Best of the Super Juniors update, your Ring of Honor NYC Excellence preview, and not only one, but two big interviews. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. Find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks, email us at HittingTheMarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo, I'll be your host for the day. I'm joined, as always, alongside my favorite Huckleberry, Huckleberry number one, the OG of the Huckleberry Club, RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show. It's me, it's me. It's that R, the B to the V, Rick Vickery. Once again, back here in the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. And hey, a kind of a celebration today. As you said, it is June 1st. We're flipping over the counter. We've got a huge show, but this is a, a big moment for us. This is our official new new uh, release day yes, of the week. Yes, if, if you haven't noticed, we have officially moved the show to Friday just because it works better with my work schedule. It works better with Rick's work schedule, at least for the summer. We're, we're, we're going to make the, the, the big shift to Friday where shows go to die. Well, I was gonna say we're, we're making that big move. We, we're we're I guess we're beating WWE to the punch. We're going to Fridays first, uh, but also as you said, you know it works. It works better for our schedules. And also, we've got some big news this month coming out of the GorillaPosition.com, which is going to make a lot more sense why we're sliding into this Friday spot. But you know, I was really thinking about it because we already have our release date. Our, our show's kind of we've got the kind of the smoke theme in our logos. Uh, our the show gets released. At a certain time each week of 4.20 a.m. So wouldn't it just be fitting that we are a Friday show? Yeah, and that, that seems to work. It's Friday. You ain't got shit to do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Build, build a clubhouse. <laughs> sit back. And listen to Jargo and myself. So uh, we're, we're, we're going to shake things up a little bit this week. We're going to get everything in here. But we do have an interview with Ring of Honor superstar Jonathan Gresham. We're going to plug that into this interview. And I also sat down with our friends over at Heels and Quads podcast. If you haven't checked out their show, give them a look on Twitter at Heels and Quads. Uh, Levi and Tommy, those guys are an absolute freaking riot. I'm going to start making faces at you while we're doing the show now after seeing those two. All they do is they sit there and try to to pop each other while the other one's talking it's freaking hilarious watching those two well i was gonna say i have to let you in on this then i hardly ever look at the camera oh well see I'm i have a- no idea i have no idea what you're doing i'm usually looking at other news and notes in the run you know i'm a beautiful man people actually you know want me they're, they're putting me on video now they want to see me talk when i do when i do my nxt review for one wrestling had the big premiere last night completely unscheduled you know we'll just 
yeah, we'll, we'll just throw up the test episode. Everybody seemed to like it. And it says it seems to be performing well. You told me the numbers here before we went on the air. I was like, wow, really? That many people like me? Huh. Joke's on you. <laughs> well, I, you know, it's, it's you know, my debut with One Wrestling. We did like 50,000. Did you did you hear what Big Ray did for my debut at One Wrestling? He put the wrong date on the show, so nobody was viewing it because they thought that it was a review of last week's show. Yeah, okay. Big Ray. Well, hey, hey, it, it took him almost a month to get my Twitter handle right. Yeah, well, it, it took him it took him like six months to get your name right. Hell, how many episodes did it take for you to get my name right? This is ridiculous. Going back to the what was that? The ten episode rib. Gosh, going back in time now. Going back in time. I, I, I forgot about that. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. So we're going to shake things up. We're not going to review Monday Night Raw. We're not going to review Tuesday Night SmackDown. But we are going to talk some WWE. Instead, we're just going to talk money in the bank. We've got several matches announced. We're just going to look at what happened on Raw and SmackDown for the matches pertaining to money in the bank. So I guess uh, let, let's start off with the men's money in the bank ladder match. Of course, your participants, Braun Strowman, Finn Balor, Kevin Owens, Bobby Roode, The Miz, Rusev, somebody from the New Day, and we now know Samoa Joe is going to be in the men's money in the bank ladder match. On Raw, we had uh, Finn Balor versus Braun Strowman, take two. Uh, Rick, uh, you, you were rather opinionated on this last week. Did this week change your mind whatsoever? Can you now buy... Finn Balor having the formula to actually defeat Braun Strowman. It was still uh, still a little hard to get into it, but I have to do give him credit. You know, Finn, he was striking quick. And you can tell, you know, he had cut off at some points, uh, but he was chopping down the big man. And I think, you know, especially for the, the Balor fans out there, they needed something like that to maybe start to sway the naysayers. I'm not fully there yet. I still want to see this thing continue to play out, but I think that they did lend a little bit of credibility to Finn Balor. Um, I, I, I think Balor looked good in both of these matches. I thought both matches were very well laid out. I think that was the most important thing. Whoever produced these matches did a very, very good job. Um, I enjoyed Kevin Owens on commentary. I knew I would enjoy Kevin Owens on commentary. Whenever Kevin Owens' wrestling career is said and done, please, God, just put him on commentary. You know I, what? There was one. There was one small thing about him on commentary that got me. What's that? He made a comment. Yeah, they they told me earlier when I come out here to do commentary with you that I need to be harsh on coach. <laughs> I guess I didn't <laughs> catch that. Well, I know. I mean, it kind of throws out the impromptu match, doesn't it? Well, it kind of explains Corey Graves and how he's uh, been uh, presented over the last. Well, how long has Coach been on the show? Well, it's just, it threw out to me like, okay, uh, so did everyone know that Balor and, and Braun were going to be going at it in the opening match, you know? I mean, why wouldn't you just announce that? I mean, if you're give, you, you give off that feeling that this is an impromptu, anything can happen, and a KO just kind of goes, just something small I picked up on. That's a good point. That's a good point. Of course, uh, Kevin Owens interferes in this match before Balor can go up for the second coup de gras after hitting Braun with the first one. He knew one coup de gras was not going to put Strowman down. He had to go for that second one. Thought that was an important piece of psychology. And then, of course, Owens interferes. But the important thing was, we all know, Finn Balor was going to win that match. He was going to win that match, Rick. Uh, what might have been, you know, also coming away from this thing, I mean, we've seen Braun manhandle, you know, competitor after competitor, multi-men at a time. I mean, this really brings him down a rung here going into this match, right? I mean, if Finn can sit there and hang by himself, then you're going to add in 
where he's going to have the assistance of six other guys? I mean, I mean, just was this set up this way to kind of humanize Braun, to kind of bring him back to earth for a match like this? That's a good possibility. That's a good possibility. That's also a good pickup. Finn Balor actually pointed that out in his promo as well. Um, I, I think as strong as they have made Strowman look these last couple weeks, and as strong as I expect they're going to make him look going into Money in the Bank, Braun Strowman's going to get outsmarted. There's no way in hell Braun Strowman is winning this briefcase. Do you agree with that? Well, it, just from a pure logical standpoint, he w- he would possibly be the most boring Money in the Bank holder. Yeah, it's why does Braun Strowman need Money in the Bank? I mean, yeah, you know, outside of you know, arguably Roman, if we're looking at this from KFAB, I mean, Braun maybe even more so than Roman. Braun's the one you actually can believe could take out Brock without any assistance like this. Completely agreed. Um, of course, I mean, it would do nothing. I mean, he would have to uh, pre-announce his cash in, wouldn't it? He couldn't be a guy that just shows up on the spot. If they want to keep him as a babyface, he would have to pre-announce it. He would have to. Of course, he would also have to pre-announce it just to ensure that Brock Lesnar would actually be in the building. Well, even even as a heel, though, if he's, he's carrying Braun this thing, his, right? His point, you know, he's not like a Miz heel or even you know a Joe. Where hey man, I'll just sneak up and get you from behind. Braun's that guy that actually confronts you. No matter what side of the fence he's on, he's like, coming at you head on. Could you see Undertaker with money in the bank? I mean, come on. Right. There's some characters right. this just does this gimmick does not work for. Uh, two guys I think that the gimmick should work for. Of course, Kevin Owens tries to bump out of town because he knows Braun Strowman is looking for him, and Kurt Angle informs him, Oh no, 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 Kevin Owens, you have a match later on tonight against the glorious. Bobby Roode. So Owens has to stay in the building with an angry Braun Strowman looking for him. Of course, we don't see any of that actually transpire backstage because that would be entertaining and that would make sense. Um, what did you think of Kevin Owens versus Bobby Roode? I very much enjoyed this match a lot more than I thought I was going to because we got aggressive Bobby Roode for the first time in God knows how long. Well, you know, we're just kind of talking about people that could really use the case and he's not in a lot of people's conversations about this. This could be a great catalyst for him to make that full turn, which we've all been just, you know, clamoring for. We need that evil Bobby Roode. We need a reason to maybe jumpstart that. Maybe the the briefcase is the perfect solution. NXT Bobby Roode with the briefcase makes all the sense in the world. How he's been presented on the main roster, Bobby Roode, not so much. Not so much. That's that's another one. If if you tuned into OneWrestling.com last night, you heard me say, we're going to take this file and we're going to put this in the NXT does it better than the main roster category. Bobby Roode is absolutely in that category. Of course, Braun Strowman comes out a little bit later on and Bobby Roode sitting there cheering on Braun Strowman. How is that not coming across as heelish? As Braun Strowman is beating up Kevin Owens, just pummeling him, Bobby Roode sitting on the third turnbuckle, waving his hands in the air. He's so happy to be sitting here watching this. And then Braun annihilates him too. But that very much felt like heel Bobby Roode. Yeah, you had you know he's just sitting back and enjoying it. Other people's misery, no matter who it is, you know he's finding great great pleasure in. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're starting to we're starting to get the shades there. And is you know really I have really hadn't thought about it till this match here. Like I said, you know, Rude is someone that would would surely benefit from an opportunity with with Money in the Bank. I'm just not sure how much they really have a belief in him going forward in that capacity, but definitely a character that could use it. Of course, some people, some people, and by some people, I mean 
Jersey Mike, Jersey Mike would already consider glorious Bobby Roode a heel. Oh. You know why Jersey Mike would consider Bobby Roode a heel? Because Jersey Mike's definition of a heel or a babyface is do you slap hands with the fans when you come out? That's what makes a heel or a babyface in Jersey Mike's world. Okay, I, all right. I'm glad you went the Jersey direction because you were going you people, some people. I thought you were going to the Roseanne Barr direction. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, dude, we just we just made the we just made the move to Fridays. We're both on OneWrestling.com, One Wrestling Video now. Let's not get our shows canceled. Oh, hilarious, hilarious. Let's let's move on to SmackDown. Let's see what they did on SmackDown to advance the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. Uh, Miz and the Bar taking on the New Day. Uh, <laughs> Rick, and uh, the, much what? much like I find much like I find Roseanne Bar. This was um, very hard to watch. Uh, d- what did you think? It, it popped me. It popped Big Ray. What did you think of the Miz hoarding off? Uh, pancakes with his uh, kung fu from his kung fu pancakes being thrown at him by the bar Seamus and Cesaro me and Big Ray popped for it I thought it was freaking hilarious you didn't like okay. it I can see I, it on you your face I didn't, you didn't, I didn't like it my immediate reaction was oh shit they found a way for me not to enjoy the Miz because <laughs> I, 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 I am just so completely turned off by New Day and pancakes and all I Believe me, I, I drive by IHOP and just flick the place off. Anyway. <laughs> I can't even, I can't stand anything to do with pancakes right now. I also enjoy the Miz in the bar having a choreographed entrance because, you know, it's all about the details when it comes to the Miz. I thought the entrance was absolutely fantastic. The match, largely forgettable. Uh, which one of the New Day do you think that we're going to get inside of the Money in the Bank ladder match? Well, you and I, we briefly talked about this this afternoon before we recorded. Um, and I understand the dynamic because they're faces, but why the hell can't all three of them participate in the match? It's no disqualification. You know, this goes back to the Riot Squad when they were having the uh, triple threat matches to qualify for the women's money in the bank. And I said, why wouldn't they just interfere? It'd, it'd be three on two. There's, It's no DQ. Just do it. Put all three of them in the match. Why not? I'd love to see Xavier Woods win the case. I, I would absolutely pop for that. You know, and the more I think about it, I, it, it's still my biggest fear is that we're still going to get maybe on the pre-show. I mean, we've still got 17 days before this event. You know, this is a while's out. So, but my biggest fear is on the pre-show that we are going to get a new day pancake pancake eating contest to determine who goes into that match. But I actually think we are going to see all three somehow in this match, and I think they're going to try to do like a human uh, totem pole to get to that case. I think we're going to get some comedy spots out of them here. I hope I'm wrong. I, I mean, hope was there any wrong shame? too. I, I, I hope. I'm not saying I like this idea, and believe I don't. I don't want to be right the day after when someone says, "Oh, RBV called it." This is just one of those things where you put yourself in the mindset of creative and just know that they'll do something uh, just that stupid. Vince just can't help himself. Just can't help himself. So, was there any? I, I guess maybe they are. They're kind of even in the playing field. Was there any foreshadowing with Big E p- picking up the big win here? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. I did enjoy the chemistry between Big E and The Miz. I thought those two had really good chemistry if they are going to break Big E off. I don't expect him to win Money in the Bank, but I would like to see a singles feud between Big E and The Miz going forward. Absolutely. Uh, let, let, let's talk about the elephant in the room and the disappointment that was. I, I know I was very disappointed in this. They announced that we're going to get Daniel Bryan versus Samoa Joe on free TV and they milk it 
and they milk it all the way up until it's time for the episode. And then five minutes into the episode, they take it away from you. Why in the world, even if you were going to do this angle, why wouldn't you milk it until like halfway through the show? I was so pissed off. I just wanted to change the channel. Well, I'm with you 100% on the timing, but I like the direction. They, they got you hooked. And I, I as we talked about last week, we talked about in the locker room. We want this hook here, but we both said we would be okay if it wasn't exactly everything we wanted it to be. Save that for a later date, but have some kind of payoff, some sort of advancement in the storyline here. But like you're saying, tease that for a little while. Let that go. Let that play out. You, you still could have had it. You actually could have just had that match between those two and then had Cass screw over Brian. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then had and Paige then be like, nope, this is what we're doing. We're going to do a triple threat match, and that's going to main event the show. I very much even enjoyed the page backstage with Renee Young where she announced it. I just thought the timing of it was all wrong inside of the episode. You don't don't even have to go to the triple threat. You could have just had the show go off the air with somehow with with Cass screwing over Brian. You still get your same outcome. You had one-on-one. You had a hot match that really isn't finished as a true finish. You can save that for later. But if they were going to go to the triple threat, yeah, don't. Don't give that away. Don't overexpose that you're changing the direction within your opening segment. Yeah, I I just thought some of the psychology was just backwards. Just backwards. Didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, Let's talk about the women's Money in the Bank match. And if we're going to talk about the women's match, well, I guess that means it's time to throw it over to the Jersey Mike segment presented by Kleenex. Introducing new softer Kleenex tissues. Now in prettier packages. Sometimes a little change can make a big difference. Kleenex, softer, prettier. So now we have Alexa Bliss, Natalia Neidhart, Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch, Naomi, Lana, and we now know Sasha Banks will be the final competitor inside of the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. Um, so th- this is basically what we did on Monday Night Raw. We, we, we flew in Alexa Bliss and Ember Moon and Natalia so they could all watch the women's gauntlet match in the back by themselves on TV. That seems like a, a, a valuable use of time. Then we end up with the women's gauntlet match. Sasha Banks qualifies. Uh, really, the only thing here... In a way, this match kind of pissed me off, man, because, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, we did this men's gauntlet match, and it was like half of the freaking episode. This thing went 20 minutes. And that's your big main event? Come on. You know what I really took? There wasn't anything of interest or excitement to talk about inside this match. No, because... When they eliminated Bailey, all the interest in the match was gone because the only interest in the match was Sasha and Bailey. You really think they're going to do some business? And if it comes down to those two, that does some, you know, that, that really, you know, throws some fuel on that slow burning fire we're getting between these two. I was, I was also disappointed that they didn't let Mickey do more. I'm sorry. She is, she was the most, hands down, the most talented individual in this match. And it was her hometown. In her hometown. And you probably got. And you probably got the least from her. I wonder if that intentionally, because they had the user in this match. They even made mention of it. This crowd is behind her. They're hot. It was obvious. The Mickey chants were taking over. Yep. We don't want anybody to think that Mickey James is over. It's just this town. Let's get her in and get her out as fast as we possibly can. That's what what they've done. You know, honestly, she probably should have won this thing. Absolutely. I I, I agree with you. 
I know the namesake of our segment here. He was very, very happy to see Sasha go over. And of all the women, uh, I think Sasha is probably the most logical choice to go over. She's the most recognizable brand inside of this group of seven women that you had here. It makes sense that Sasha Banks is in this match. Don't get me wrong. I just think that Mickey would have done more for the match. I think Mickey would have, well, so much more, so much more for the match going forward here. But, you know, Banks, she's going to be that one. If you've got a crazy ladder match, you need someone in there that is stupid enough to do an unnecessary spot, and she fills that role right now. Um, when, you, when you say stupid enough and unnecessary spot, is Sasha Banks the one that takes the eclipse off of the 20-foot ladder? Uh, I, I think she's going to take a couple stupid spots. I mean, she's the one that's uh... going to go into a big ladder. Man, this is a very interesting combination of women. When you look at the women's money in the bank, Ember Moon, Sasha Banks, Alexa Bliss, Natalia, Charlotte, Becky, Naomi, and Lana. I mean, obviously, Lana's going to be taking some naps at ringside. I expect Alexa Bliss is going to be the one that's going to be the odd woman out here who's going to be napping at ringside with Lana. But in Alexa's mind... That's going to be strategy. Alexa Bliss is my pick to win this thing early on. You know, kind of in the way that dynamic is you kind of, you don't really, you're going to look at this and say, you don't want to have both cases running around on the same show. And with the obvious absence of a men's world champion or universal champion on raw, I mean, almost by default, you almost feel that this thing has to go to to the red brand. That's a, that's a very, very good point. That's a very good point. So let's look at the Raw women. Sasha Banks, Alexa Bliss, Natty, and Ember Moon. Of of that group, I like Alexa with the case. Well, I think she's the best with the case at this point. You know, she's the she's that that conniving, kind of lying, cheating character that you, that is perfect that the case was actually made for, you know? Well, and uh, and can I, you imagine Alexa Bliss? With Ronda Rousey running around with the women's title, like that's a that's a fantastic dynamic right there, just built well, in. I think there's so much that we have to look at it. Where, what direction are they actually going with the women's championship? Yeah, that's Cause true. Because you, you got to think if they would have happened to pull the trigger and put this thing on Ronda, then you obviously have the story of Natty, two yeah. best friends. They train together, and now by default, one is hunting the other. Or there's a, that natural divide between those two that at any time, Natty has the opportunity to, to cash in on Ronda. And you could set that up as, I, I, I'm, when I'm ready to do this, I'm gonna, it's going to be the honorable way. Okay, then, so, so knowing it, that, knowing that, when it comes to the layout of the show, do you do the women's championship match before the women's money in the bank match? Because I think whoever wins the women's money in the bank match, that's going to kind of telegraph how the the women's championship match is going to go, isn't it? Well, I mean, there's a couple ways I could toss this up. You know, I'm not rolling out Bliss. If Ronda does win it, you were right. There's a great story there. I mean, you've got Little Miss Helpless Bliss, who's got this great opportunity, and then you've got the baddest woman in the planet walking around with the title. That's a great dynamic. That's a great dynamic. And, and, you know, to kind of rule out the other ones, I just, I really don't see the interest level in banks being pushed back up into that level. And a lot of the, and then with Moon, it's just her character. It doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't really fit. seem fitting of her. Moon is that person who wants to work her way up the ranks. Yeah. Who's it gonna, you know, doesn't fit. 
doesn't step fit. step by step until she gets that opportunity. Well, let's take a w- look at the women that are going to be representing the blue brand, even if we don't think that they stand a snowball's chance in hell and actually winning this thing, because, well, we just kind of laid that out. Uh, Lana and Naomi have a dance off. And as I'm watching this thing, the only thing that I could think in my mind was Fox paid a billion dollars for this. Uh, you know what? When I saw this headline going into the show, I kind of I kind of perked up a little bit, uh, just because these two can dance. You know, they're actually talented. So if we're if we're gonna have one of these, it gives them something else to do. And we know, I, and I figured, some, you know, all hell was gonna break out somehow. I was surprised to see that the Usos were out there, so we got the the men interacting. This segment, it just completely missed the mark. They actually had, and I have the feeling the reason they went with this, they actually had this segment on Total Divas. Oh, see, and it actually was it was actually a pretty entertaining. It was at one of the weddings. I can't remember who was married. Maybe it was at the the Miz wedding. Gotcha, gotcha. See, this this actually was a, there was maybe it was at Lana's wedding, but they actually had a dance off there, and it was it was entertaining. It was like kind of hot, you know. If you're a you know a straight red blooded American male, you're gonna love it. This one kind of pissed me off because all they did here was they established that. The, the the Lana and Aiden English and Rusev babyface turn only lasted for a week. They they reestablished that Lana and English and Rusev are clear heels. I don't understand why in the world they are so goddamn insistent on making Rusev a heel. We want to cheer Rusev. We want to cheer Lana. We even enjoy Aiden English at this point. Why do you insist on them being heels? Makes no sense to me. I will say that they are so persistent on pushing this heel agenda with them that is actually I am interested in the announced match for next week with the intergender. You know how? What is the dynamic between Lana and English going to be there? Yeah, I'm not looking forward to the match in any way, but just how you know, just how creative is Handless and where they're pushing it. The only other thing regarding uh, the SmackDown women inside of the women's Money in the Bank match was a Sharshar and Becky backstage segment. Um, of course, they had to create a little bit of tension between these two uh, besties here. Uh, Paige kind of stirring the pot a little bit. It was just kind of there, man. It was just something to get them on the show. Yeah, you know, just as they did on Raw, they really didn't have a whole lot for these for these ladies to do to really start pushing anything really about these matches. You know, luckily we've got two more episodes, correct? Yeah, two more episodes before yeah. we get there. Hopefully, they can really heat this up. You know, honestly, I, hey, they're they're two very good friends. They've been working with each other for so long. You know, maybe we do get a Charlotte and Becky program to hold us over here for a little bit in the summertime. I'd like to see it. I'd like to see it. Uh, Let's move on to the uh, Raw Women's Championship. That, of course, held by Nia Jax. Uh, Nia Jax uh, takes out a member of the job squad this week with uh, Ronda Rousey on commentary. Uh, Nia Jax talking mad smack while she's just disposing of this jobber. Rick, I just I, I don't like this program. I don't like anything about this. I don't like making Nia Jax back out to be a heel after the program she just came out of with Alexa Bliss. I don't like Ronda Rousey as a babyface. She's the most dangerous woman on the face of the planet. What about that says babyface? And that all these rumors flying around that Nia Jax is going to become the muscle for Ronda Rousey. I said this on OneWrestling.com. Wait, 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 for Stephanie. Or yes, yes, become okay. become the muscle for Stephanie. I said this on One Wrestling last night. You have Shayna Baszler. 
Shayna Baszler's already in the company. Why in the world would you go with Nia Jax? This makes no sense to me whatsoever. I, I'm pretty much with you on everything you're hitting on here, brother. This program is doing absolutely nothing for me. This thing is a train wreck. They're completely mishandling it. Yeah, let's just even go back. You know, just you know, a lot of people bash how this set up. And we, we explained here on this show, we explained in the locker room how and the why, why this was an upfront. They wanted it was this was for the suits, for the stockholders, for the public, all that there. But I was even okay with it because it even in it, so you know, Nia was saying, you know what? If I'm gonna defend, I want to prove. I, I proved to all my fans they can overcome. Now I want to challenge myself against the best. If that's the direction they're going in, that's fine. Why is that attitude gone? Why is she like being all like snarling stuff now? What's the difference? Why isn't she out there saying in you know in these warm up matches saying, okay, this is what I'm going to do. You know, I'm going to get ready for you. I'm going to I'm going to continue to show. Everyone that's, that's been bullied, body shaped, whatever, that they can work hard to overcome. Why are, why are they just suddenly abandoning all that aspect of the that they spent months building up towards? And if this is the direction that you want to go, you know, one of the best talkers inside of the company is Alexa Bliss, who just so happened to just come out of this program with Nia Jax. If you want somebody who can stir the pot, the answer is not Stephanie McMahon. The answer is Alexa Bliss. Just have Alexa come out and try to befriend Rhonda, you know, kind of bringing Rhonda to the dark side and say, hey, look, everything I was saying over the course of the last two months, it's all true. Look at how Nia's acting with you and try to befriend Rhonda Rousey. That intrigues me way more than anything going on inside this program with Stephanie McMahon. And then everything with Rhonda, again, and now it's like turned up to 10. She's just, she's working like a mark. Can we stop like the little parade every time you come out? Yeah, she's been here for a while. Great, you're happy. It's coming off so cheesy. I can't get, I cannot get invested or just really give any interest towards anything she has going on. To your second point there, Jargo, I agree with you 100%. When I see, oh, you know, make Nia the muscle, well, why? you got that built in with Baszler. And then... And if you really want to, like, if you need a, a logical reason, Baszler could, Baszler could be jealous as hell. Yeah, just of all the attention that Ronda Rousey's getting. Stephanie brings Baszler in as her muscle. It makes complete sense. And the way they twist it is, because we all know that Stephanie signed the contract, just go back and call, call BS on that she wanted to be treated like everyone else. Be like, you know what? She kind of held us. She, she kind of, she put us in a, a contractual arm bar. She said she wouldn't go to NXT. She said she was above the route that you took, Baszler. If we if we wanted to sign her, we had to give her those things. Yeah. That's how you manipulate Baszler from the management side point. And it's, you know, from Baszler's, it's you know what? I've always we've always been second to you, the other horsewomen. You know, you've always gotten the pub. Now I had to come here to NXT. I went through the, the May Young Classic, made it to the finals. Then I went to NXT. What, took me a couple times to win the championship, and all the time they're you're getting all the glory, all the admiration. You get to go right to WrestleMania. That's your fuel. Yeah. What have you done? You won one tag match. Whoop de do. I've I've been on the independent scene for years now. Had to work my way to NXT, and you're just getting it all handed on a silver platter. And I could buy Baszler versus Rousey. Absolutely. Shayna Baszler scares the shit out of anybody. And Baszler wants all that fame. 
Stephanie can easily give that to her. Absolutely. Makes total sense. Makes total sense. And it's so much better than anything you could come up with for why Nia Jax would be getting one up on Ronda Rousey. Let's talk about another program that just makes my head want to explode. Asuka versus Carmella. Uh, on, on this show, we get Mandy Rose versus Asuka. And Rick, this just this just pissed me off as I was watching this. Sonya Deville comes running out, hits Asuka with the most powerful double axe handle ever. Asuka's undefeated for two and a half freaking years. But one double axe handle from Sonya Deville, she's crippled. She has to crawl her way back into the ring. And then this thing goes for six freaking minutes. They give way too much offense to Mandy Rose here before uh, Asuka finally taps her out. What are they doing here with Asuka? Do they even know what they're doing with Asuka? I don't think they have any idea what they're doing with this division. Uh, but I will say uh, one positive before we really jump on this thing. I mean, they're giving Mandy Rose time. And you can tell she's getting so much better each time out. Absolutely. But there's no reason she should be going six minutes with Asuka. That's just what, you know, eventually one day she's going to be big money for them because she has everything that's needed. As long as she can get it, she gets it together. If she gets half ass in the ring, she'll be big money for them. Yeah. But But I got to say, I got to say, Carly freaking hates her. Carly hates everything about Mandy Rose because she is everything that the, the divas division represented. And I can understand that point. I, I, I don't not fully. I mean, does she hate Trish Stratus? Well, she wasn't really watching when Trish was active. Okay, because we're getting a, a, what they're hoping to do is get a, a, an evolution of that. Well, I, ideally, and we, still, and we and we still have you know sex still sells in this world. I, I understand that, but com- comparing Mandy Rose to Trish Stratus in the same breath, that 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 one's a little bit of a stretch for me. What's that's? I mean, you have to start somewhere with your clay. And that's where they're going with this thing. Yeah. Trish Stratus was, was abysmal at the beginning. Yeah, I, I understand that. But if, if, if you were going to do that with Mandy Rose, I would have much rather that she was doing this in NXT than doing it on the main roster. I think she's got a good thing. We got to let it play out here. And I don't think anyone should be hate. If she does get, if she gets better in the ring and earns the respect of everyone else, I mean, you really can't hate on someone for their looks. I mean, you know, Carly is essentially body shaming her. Oh, oh, oh. That's going to be a hot take, at least inside this house anyway. I guarantee that. But, but all right, so, yeah, so I guess maybe their logic is, well, you, you need to give six minutes so Carmella can get her stuff in on the on commentary. And don't we need something to – now we know that if the numbers are against Asuka, if, if Carmella could somehow blind, like, you know, just get a jump on her, she has a chance. I mean, Maybe that's why they went this direction. So there is, okay, if Carmella can come up with a game plan, she could pull this off. Wait, wait, that was Carmella on commentary? I thought that was Enzo Amore. Sure look like Enzo Amore to me. Check out that outfit. Check out the hairdo. That sure looks like Enzo Amore to me. I don't think that was Carmella. And then, and then Enzo Amore has the balls to get into the ring and stare down, stare down Asuka. And Asuka just stands there like a deer in headlights. What in the world? This outside of the match, this is what drove me crazy. Carmella should be getting the hell away, wanting to get any any chance, any opportunity to be as far away from Asuka as she can. That's the direction that we should have had here. What's what's her character right now? That she talked herself into a shoot? Does she really believe that she's better than Asuka? Like, I, I understand it as like a BS mind games kind of gimmick here, but it's almost like she's talked herself into a shoot. I don't know, man. I don't know. Why in the world didn't Asuka just do a spinning heel kick right upside Carmella's head right then and there? 
I guess she was still dazed from that uh, the ultimate axe handle. Oh my god! Yeah, the the, the ultimate axe. If that is not Sonya Deville's new finishing move, I'm going to be very disappointed. Just a double axe handle to the back. It'll put down Oscar. It'll put down anybody. Yeah, it's, but if you're sitting there watching it, I'm just like, okay, Oscar, when are you going to beat the shit out of her? Yeah, like and nothing. You know, it's it's like that meme that you see going around of the guy with the stick. I feel like he's he's poking Oscar's career. Do something doing absolutely nothing it's a damn shame uh let's talk about uh shinsuke nakamura and aj styles what did we do for uh that program going forward we've got nakamura versus ty dillinger on this show uh nakamura doing his best uh sesame street count impression trying to count to 10 i, I very much enjoyed that uh ty dillinger hits him with the 10 it was fantastic that was absolutely the spot of the night the rest of the match pretty much a throwaway yeah, I'm not really sure if we actually needed this here. But, you know, I guess to their credit, they're actually doing something with Nakamura. And it was nice uh, to we, see we, Dillinger. We haven't seen Dillinger on TV in a while. And I thought Ty looked good here. He he actually looked like he could go with Shinsuke Nakamura, even though Nakamura was just basically beating the crap out of Ty. But I thought Ty looked really good in the little bit of offense that he got. And his selling for Nakamura, I thought, looked fantastic. I almost wish they maybe would have stole something out of the uh, Ring of Honor's playbook here. And had Nakamura, instead of going for the pin, this is what kind of threw me off. Because I, I loved earlier in the match when he was, you know, putting down, uh, putting down Dillinger, and then waiting for like, and then doing his own ten count, waiting for the referee to do his ten count. I would have loved to have seen him have Ty laid out in the middle of the ring, and him go stand up on the ramp and get counted out, forcing the ref to just make a ten count. While oh, Dillinger that's doesn't a nice move, touch. That's doesn't a nice move touch. at all. Inside the ring. Bully Ray style. Nice. I like that. I like that. Yeah, because it's not like the wins and losses actually matter. Uh, yeah, he's, lost- al- he's already got his opportunity. It's not like, oh, sorry, you lost to, to Ty Dillinger. You're out. Yeah, it's not like we're going to get Dillinger versus AJ Styles at Money in the Bank because right. Shinsuke Nakamura got counted out after he knocked out Ty Dillinger. Uh, I-, I think that's what he should be doing all the way up to that, just knocking some people out and just taking losses. I like it. I like it. Uh, but- it- Go ahead. Uh, to say you know they're symbolic victories yeah absolutely absolutely uh aj styles cuts a promo in response um not the greatest promo out of aj styles here but it just it feels like they're really trying to play this underdog card with aj styles and they're trying to make him that bulldog you know you could just hear it in, in vince's voice that you know you're you're the underdog you're you're fighting from underneath but you're phenomenal it's it's just it's so bland it's so bland. And Last Man Standing just does not fit this program. Does not fit this program for me whatsoever. Yeah, with the, you know, he hasn't cut a good promo since he won the championship. Well, it's not like talking was ever AJ's strong suit. I know he was pretty hot there in the in you know from last SummerSlam up until when he took that title. Yeah, that's and, true. And, and, and it was almost as soon as they kind of lumped him in with the black hole over on SmackDown. Everything that was going on with Shane McMahon and everything that surrounded him, he just kind—he of, just lost that edge on the microphone. And they started writing, you know, and then when he, him and Nakamura going back with these just like childish rhymes back and forth, he's never really recovered from it. You know, these, but these two don't need to talk. They're two of the best performers in the world. Let them go out there and prove it. Yeah, it's just and like I, a I fight. Think it, with this, and with this um, last man standing, 
you you kind of take the dynamic of that match. What makes these two so special is their actual technical prowess and their striking abilities and and how you know how they move in the ring and their high flying. What you essentially are kind of twisting this more into a do anything to win match, and it's it's going to hinder their abilities. It's also going to hinder their abilities. The fact that they have to follow Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano the night before in a street fight. I mean, because you know that match is going to be way more physical than any kind of last man standing match that you're going to get between AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura. Well, I mean, it, this, especially with this one, because it's so personal. Absolutely. But, but you know, even if it was, it could be two other talents with without the blood feud. Just having matches that are so similar to one another, and you have to follow the other one up, is quite a task. Yep. Completely agreed. Uh, let's let's talk about uh, let's go back over to Monday Night Raw. Jinder Mahal versus Roman Reigns has been officially announced for Money in the Bank. God, I hope this is the main event just because I want to see what that crowd would do. Oh my God, I can't imagine. On Monday Night Raw, we get uh, Jinder Mahal versus Seth Rollins for the Intercontinental Championship. Rollins gets himself DQ'd after he's had enough of Jinder Mahal. He starts swinging chairs just like Jinder did last week. Um, of course, this all transpired after Seth Rollins interrupted Elias. Rick, are we going to get Elias versus Seth Rollins for the Intercontinental Championship at Money in the Bank? I was going to say it, it most certainly seems that way, correct? I mean, they don't have anything for Rollins to do at this point. We right now we only have officially announced 8 matches. So, I mean, looking I'm looking for them to add one or two matches. It looks like you're going to get the IC title and possibly we'll get a US Championship match added to that. I don't know if I'm necessarily in favor of it. I would love to see this miss this event. And maybe play out to build up to something big at Extreme Rules. I just don't. I'm, I'm under the impression that we don't need every championship on every one of these shows. I completely agree. Completely agree. I just can't imagine Elias and Seth Rollins in a feud that lasts for like six weeks. Well, I was going to say either this match. I mean, we we got the feud now. Yeah, this feels I'd like say, a two week feud. Well, save it for. Save it for good programming and give us a real good match at Extreme Rules. Don't we don't need a match at Money to Bank and Extreme Rules? As far as the other half of this match goes, Jinder Mahal, um, of course, he's going to be taking on Roman Reigns at Money in the Bank. Hey, Rick, check this out. Roman Reigns didn't show up for work today. How about that? Roman Reigns not even on Monday Night Raw. What do you think of that? I think it was strategically planned that way. So that when we got the lowest rating, or what was this, the second lowest rating ever? The second lowest rating in the history of Monday Night Raw. The lowest rating since they were up against, get this, the Hillary Clinton versus Donald Trump presidential debate, which drew 30 million viewers. Okay. So, okay, right now, they're not they're going to throw out the holiday, the, the awesome Game 7, the, the Bachelorette. They're going to throw that all out. Oh man, we didn't have Roman on the show this week. We yep. made the mistake. And then when they next week, I mean they can't go any lower. So when they see that boost next week, oh, that's Roman's back. Yep. As far as the stockholders are concerned, well, you see the rating was so bad because Roman wasn't on the show. And you know, to kind of jump to something we talked about the stop the top of this review. This it's kind of funny how when they know they're always gonna be kind of in a rating stumper, that they just so 
they conveniently slide the ladies into those main event spots. Uh-huh. I haven't seen the uh the the third hour numbers to see how many people tuned out, but between uh the exciting end of game 1 of the Stanley Cup Finals and game 7 of the uh Warriors versus uh Rockets versus the Beard versus Mr. Pringles. God, I love watching them lose. Ha 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 ha. Screw you, Mike D'Antoni. Ha ha. Nobody was watching Monday Night Raw. And the numbers absolutely <laughs> reflected that. They may not, but by the end of the show, they may have been under 2 million viewers. I was going to say, I, I didn't look at the breakdown. I just saw you sent me the, the overall numbers. There, there were no surprise. No. Were you really that shocked to see it that low? Nope. Nope. Saw it coming. Absolutely, one hundred percent saw it coming. Of course, the NBA Finals tipping off tonight. Rick, what what's your pick? What's your pick? Cavs and how many? Because I know you're picking the Cavs. We're going Cavs here, as always, and I'm going to stick by that magic number six. It's got to pay off at some point. Hey, but we did get some good news. I know I'm not going to as as everyone's out there listening to this show tomorrow. I'm not going to be surprised either way. This is that first game. This is where you really have to figure each other out. This isn't. Uh, a huge swing game, but good news. Uh, Kevin Love is cleared, so we have another all-star on the court. But overall, I, you know, the Cavs, they're going to have to they're going to have to break up the team flow of the Warriors. They're so hot when they're all on the same page. You're going to have to take out one or two of the pieces, really disrupt them, maybe put it on Durant where he feels that he has to do this by himself to really disrupt their vibe, their flow. That's got to be their shot here. Or, you know, hey, the King, how many, how many more tricks are left in the back? I don't know, man. What else is he going to do to wow everybody? I don't know. I don't know. I'm taking Warriors in seven. There's a lot of people that think this thing's going to be a sweep. I'm taking Warriors in seven. I think this thing goes seven games. Well, I don't think the Cavs are going to sweep them. I'll give the Warriors at least one. Oh, no, no, no. There's a lot of people think that the Warriors are just going to sweep the Cavs. I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're over there listening to that piece of shit ESPN. Ha ha! You're hilarious. Uh, let's talk about uh, something else that's hilarious. That, of course, being Sami Zayn and Bobby Lashley. Uh, this week, Sami Zayn comes out and issues an apology for the terrible segment that was last week's show. Um, was this WWE acknowledging that they just plain dropped the ball, or is this all by design? And that segment was actually intended to be that god awful which then begs the sub question why in the hell do you intentionally make shitty tv no i don't think it was meant to be that awful i thought they i think in their minds it was going to get this huge pop people were going to be all over it then they start trying to back you know but here's this segment itself was just was just as bad because i mean just it was just a different kind of cringe for her to be bad You want to talk about what about a missed opportunity on this show on Memorial Day to not highlight the military background, the commitment from his family of Bobby Lashley? Yep, completely agreed. He he said just a few words right there at the beginning of his promo, but it wasn't nearly enough. Like they thought if he just came out wearing combat boots, that'd be enough. And it it just it's and that's the problem with Bobby Lashley inside of the WWE. No matter what he does, it's just not enough. I'm not seeing the fire. I'm not seeing the personality. I'm not seeing the in-ring prowess that is Bobby Lashley. Most of that being because Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley have basically the same move set. So they told Bobby Lashley, don't do all this shit. You know, I fully expect it. And I'll give him give some kudos. Great opening package to start the show. Absolutely. Uh, 
just just to symbolize the, the holiday and the meaning behind it. I about fell out of my chair when that show opened with Braun. I, I could have swore it was going to be Lashley. You would have thought. You would have thought. Come out. Come out. Put over the military. You know, make and, and work in some personal, some personal selling points to further his character. Why people should get behind him there, and not just joking. I, I wanted him to come out. Even in this segment here, it was too much joking on his part. Yep. I want to come out to the straight business. Yep. I, I know we agreed. got. To, I know we got to that with the handshake, but that even seemed a little cheesy and overboard with me. It should have been, hey, you had your little jokes last week. You know, now it's time for me to knock your teeth down your throat. Yep. Absolutely. And we got more of that from Sami Zayn than we did from Bobby Lashley. That's the problem. That's the damn problem. Let's talk about the uh, tag team divisions here before we wrap things up. Uh, the Bludgeon Brothers versus the club. Uh, I, I very much enjoyed the Anderson and Gallows promo. I love Carl Anderson talking about his hot Asian wife. I need that every week on the show. And then Luke Gallows with his nerds line. I absolutely love. I love uh, Carl Anderson showing off the six pack in the best kind of shape that he's ever been in. And then we go to the Bludgeon Brothers part of the promo. And it, I, I don't think I've said it on this show yet, but Rick, what the fuck? I, I'm with you 100%. This thing. What the I've fuck? Talked, I, I, I've talked about it before like when I'm out in public watching WWE and there's certain things that come on the television. Uh, thankfully, I was alone in a dark room watching this when it happened. Oh this would have been one of those things where you just like you kind of sit down uh, and you're embarrassed when they're like, "Oh yeah, that guy—he's a wrestling guy. That's what he does. Got—he's got, got podcast and and does you know is an analyst and a talking head for a few different sites. Blah blah blah. Th- that would have been one of those embarrassing moments. Yeah, I, I I was just the only thing I could say about that Bludgeon Brothers promo was what the fuck? I don't even that, like that is my analysis of that segment. What the fuck? Let's talk Absolutely about Absolutely pitiful. Let's talk about the uh, the leaders of worlds versus contenders to be named next week in a tag team Memorial Battle Royal. Uh the and then the B team barbecue. Uh we're trying to figure out is the is the B team actually going to be challenging the deleters of worlds here at Money in the Bank? Is that what's going to happen? Uh, these tag divisions are a mess. Dude, I just hope like we get all these tag teams in the fucking ring next week and the authors of pain come walking out and remind everybody that they are actually on Monday Night Raw and just start grabbing people and heaving them. I I actually forgot that they were still there until you just mentioned that. I didn't even I didn't even notice them missing in that segment. Yeah, they're the only ones that weren't there. You're going to have a tag team battle royal. I mean, AOP should come out and just like in one fail swoop, eliminate everybody. You know, this segment was just so bad. It really, it was a huge letdown. I mean, I expect, the I B expect, team was great, but it, it went on way too long and it was just yeah. way too stupid. <laughs> and, you know, we just seen the champs out there. There's, there's no program. Hopefully, Okay, at Money in the Bank, this ends it, and we get something going forward with the champs, some kind of storyline, something to invest in instead of just, just random, just uh, floating in the spi- space and time continuum. Let's get some direction here. It is just all over the place, man. Well, it has to, it essentially has to be the AOP, right? You would think. Sitting there, you're sitting there looking at that barbecue. There's no one in there that's a serious contender to, to play no. and party. Hell no. Although they did just give the fashion police a new t shirt. Visit, visit wweshop.com for details. It is, 
if you're going to have if you're going to have this battle royal here, why don't you set it up to a point where Hardy announces it? You hold it at the compound. Ooh, there you go. That'd be cool. I almost want to see the B team like think that they have won the battle royal, and when they go to lift their hands up in the air, the AOP music hits, and they come walking out and just annihilate them. See, and even like the setup for this, like I, just the comedy was so bad on it. You know, they're, they're the B team. They got bees on their shirt. I, even when they were going to come up with this thing, I thought they were going to go B, B, and bring in like a Q somewhere. Russia <laughs> with a Q. And they had it spelled out on their shirts. Oh, tremendous, tremendous. And then, and then they have something, they have a cool backstage setup thing, you know. And, I very much did enjoy Rhino with his uh, bologna sandwiches, though. That was absolutely uh, entertaining. He was pretty good. You know, and Slater, you know what's good if he's eaten. Now, <laughs> let me, a little side note I thought about. Remember back when they moved from. SmackDown was moving channels, and maybe it was like from CW to the UPN, or they were moving off UPN to Sci-Fi, and they had, they actually had Gallows and his tag team partner at the time. Um, he had the rapper gimmick as well. His dad is a was a legend. But anyway, they had the two guys that were acting like the movie, the moving crew. They would come out with a dolly and duct tape losers to it, and it was supposed to symbolize moving. Because they couldn't blatantly just come out and say we're moving to another network. <laughs> oh my so, god! No, that's what they—that's what they did. I can't remember that. It was Festus and that little his little buddy that were doing it. Wow, they were the movers. I don't remember that at all. They were—they were slowly, symbolically moving SmackDown because oh they couldn't come god. out and say we're joining a whole new network. I—I I think the B team might have something for themselves. They might have some shelf life. I have an idea that they are going to team up B. With Foxy as oh. a symbolic move, that there is a move. I guess because Raw is staying there, they're going to have to shift them. Something in my head, I was just thinking about it. Oh my! I have to work out the details. But if they can get them over on SmackDown, and that's the move going over there, we got time to move people. Yeah, we have plenty of time to move people. That's not till late nineteen, right? Yeah, exactly. We still got another yeah. superstar shakeup and everything in there. Yep, it's going to work. The Absolutely. B team is going to be the spokesman for silently moving the show to, to Fox. Fantastic. Uh, one last thing I wanted to talk to you about before we uh, wrap up Raw and SmackDown here, because, of course, there's not a match advertised for Money in the Bank, but maybe this match will be on the pre-show. What did you think of the backstage uh, go-between between, between uh, Selena Vega, Andrade Cien Almas, and your boy Sin Cara? Man, I, I liked it, really. Short, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. it. Like you said, it was short and sweet. Uh, Big Ray had to translate for me exactly what was being said. Um, basically, Andrade Cien Almas looked at Sin Cara there at the end, and he said, don't you ever fucking touch me again. That was basically the point of what, oh, he, okay. of what Big, he had Big, to say there. Big, I, I, Big Ray hooked you up there, because Corey Graves put that over on commentary. Oh, see, my... I, didn't listen to the commentary. WWE commentary now is just so bad. After listening to Don Callis and Kevin Kelly, it's just, it's so bad. It's so hey, bad. Hey, but any, you know, anytime Vega's on, I mean, she looks so tremendous anyway. Uh, you know, they look good. They look good together. They look like superstars. They look I, like the superstar like tandem. <clears throat> I like it. If we get uh, Andrade Cien Almas versus Sin Cara on the uh, Money in the Bank pre-show, does that match do anything for you? I think we're probably going to get that sooner. I mean, remember, we've got weeks of programming here to go. Fair enough. Fair enough. We'll look forward on SmackDown probably in the next couple of weeks. I hope it, I hope it, we're getting it next week. Be a nice little undercard. 
you know, another match that I would love to see. I want to see Andrade Cien Almas take on Stevie Richards. Stevie Richards is looking freaking great. How is Stevie Richards not back in the WWE at this point? I think he's in the best shape I've ever seen him in, and I've been watching the guy for 20 freaking years. It's insane. Well, as, long, as, as long as they don't find out he's running around with Rusev. Oh, yeah, there is that. There is that. That's, that answers why Stevie Richards is probably not in the WWE. Here's a word from Stevie Richards and Stevie Richards Fitness. Hey, this is Stevie Richards. I'm here to tell you, you don't necessarily need all this equipment to get in the best shape of your life. All you need is this, a resistance band. I'm so excited to offer the 12-week resistance band training program to you, which features an interactive PDF with full overview videos, modifications, descriptions of all the exercises, scalability, no matter what fitness level or what age you are, the PDF scales the workout to you. Also, after your instant download of the PDF, you get full direct email support right from me, as well as access to a Facebook group with an awesome interactive community. I can't wait to help you take control of your fitness journey. So just put in stevierichardsfitness.com, go to the store, and download the 12-week resistance band training program. Listen up, assholes. This is Disarray by the band Asylum 8. They're a heavy metal band that you've probably never heard of, which is a very sad thing. I'm Hobbs Countess. Journey with me into the unknown. Every Wednesday, we will explore the underground on the H-Bombs Underground Bunker at bloodrockmedia.com. All right, Rick. So let's uh, let's throw it over to the Jonathan Gresham interview. Um, I know you haven't had an opportunity. I just sat down with Jonathan a little bit earlier on this afternoon, so you haven't had an opportunity to hear this yet. Uh, Jonathan Gresham, he's a man of few words. He's a man of few words. This interview runs probably about 11 minutes or so, and then uh, Jonathan and I talked a little bit off air. Uh, this is, of course, leading up to uh, Ring of Honor's big uh, show coming up, New York City Excellence. Uh, Rick and I are going to run down that card here in just a couple minutes. But first, let's uh, let's have a word with Jonathan Gresham. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back inside the locker room for this very special simulcast of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by TheGorillaPosition.com. And presented by Hameen Media. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. I am joined inside the locker room today, ladies and gentlemen. He is a 13-year vet of the business, a former DTU Alto Impacto champion, IWC Super Indie champion, NWA Mid-America X Division champion, WXX World Tag Team champion, a former CZW heavyweight champion, a vets of promotions like Chikara, CZW, Westside Extreme, TNA, and of course, Ring of Honor. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming the octopus, Jonathan Gresham. Jonathan, welcome inside the locker room thank you for having me i'm excited so jonathan let's uh let's start things off at the beginning here and kind of work our way to current times i was reading an interview that you did back in october with the philly inquirer that was touting some of your influences whether it be chris jericho to dean malenko eddie guerrero did you grow up a wcw kid um Kind of, sort of. Uh, I was like all over the place, to be honest, man. Uh, I was introduced to a lot of different things and uh, a lot of different things uh, caught my attention. So, but for the most part, I was just a fan of those people, not necessarily uh, WCW, but I did watch. Very cool. I was a big fan of the cruiserweight division back in the day. Uh, I, I think in reading the list and in, in seeing several of your matches at this point, I can almost guess. Was Dean Malenko your favorite wrestler? Um, 
to be honest, I didn't have a lot of um, appreciation for. I apologize, that was an alarm going off. Um, I didn't have a lot of appreciation for Malenko until uh, I started wrestling, to be honest, because then I, I start watching wrestling more so as uh, a competitor, as a wrestler, opposed to a fan. So, makes a lot of about sense. 2007, and I picked up being a bigger fan of Malenko. Makes a lot of sense. I love the the Malenko and Jericho feud from back in 98. Of course, being the technical wizard that you are, I, I, I have to assume that you know at least a, a thousand and five holds at this point. Uh, I spoke to Quack, and I think it's uh, 1,001, actually. 1,001. 1,001. You're, you're, you're awful close to the list of Jericho. Um, of, I'm kidding. Right. Of course, being a, a smaller guy, you're, you're listed at 5'4", 160, a 1. That's, a, that's per your Wikipedia page, anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. my, many people would expect you to be a high flyer, but you, of course, have really blended that almost UK in-ring technical style with the high flying. How did you develop your style, and how did your size play into that? Um, well, for a long time, uh, starting out from 2005, from when I started to around 2006, I, uh, I really started to think about how I could, uh, make myself different from the rest of the pack that was in the area that I was wrestling in. And, uh, to be honest, I was a high flyer back then. And I look at professional wrestling, uh, like, uh, stylistically, like, you know, in mixed martial arts, you have Lucha Libre, you have high flying, you have technical wrestling. American style and the British way. So I like to separate the two. So I thought to myself, I have to like differentiate myself and just make myself look different. And as a cruiserweight, a smaller guy, I said, well, everybody expects me to high fly. So let me find something else that I, uh, I'm interested in. And so I have a background in jujitsu and amateur wrestling. So I was kind of drawn to the technical wrestling style and the storytelling of it. And that really uh, started me out. And uh, that's helped me make my decision on the style. As, as far as the jiu-jitsu goes, have you done any uh, amateur or professional fights? Um, not, I've only trained in jiu-jitsu, and um, I was an amateur wrestler from, I think, like fourth grade to my junior year. That's when I tore my ACL. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Um, I wanted to touch uh, just a little bit on Chikara. You were with uh, the company there from uh, 2010 to 2012, uh, where you crossed paths with some of the current best in the business, whether it be Lince Dorado or uh, guys like Johnny Gargano, Chuck Taylor. For some of our listeners who are aware of Chikara, but not necessarily seen it, not necessarily familiar with it, how do you explain Chikara to somebody? Oh, man. Um Chikara was a, a huge influence in um, uh, in my career starting out because it, it really blended a lot of the styles that I use today. Um, it's a different man. sort of product for for people that have never seen it before, and I've never really found a good way to explain Chikara. Uh, I think the best way I've heard it explained to me at the Chikara Wrestle Factory and from different Chikara wrestlers is it's a comic book come to life. I think that's the best way to like. That's a good way to explain that. it. Yeah. Um, as far as like the in ring, oh my goodness, it's a blend of so many different styles. So Harry Riviera was like their coach for, I'm not sure how long, but I got a chance to train with him at some point in time in, uh, at one point in time in Mexico. And, uh, he has so much to offer and I, I really enjoy the way that they wrestle there. So it's someplace that I'm looking forward to working with in the future again soon. It's always one of those things, but whenever you see a Chikara show, you know it's it's something very, very different. It's something unique. I enjoy it very much, but like you said, it's a comic book come to life. The the characters and the pageantry and and then, like as you were saying, the in-ring styles, just incredible. Just incredible. Then, of course, at the uh, opposite end of the spectrum, you've also been working with CZW since uh, 2010, which is another independent promotion that a lot of us have heard of, maybe seen clips of, but not necessarily 
really had the opportunity to really watch. You won their championship back at Down With The Sickness in 2016. Introduce some of our audience who doesn't know about CCW to who they are and what they do out there on the East Coast. Um, I think from the time when I started till now, it's changed quite a bit. Speaking of style, I think they were the alternative to what Shakara was. They offered a more hardcore, um, ultra-violent style. Um, they kind of went light on it recently in the last couple of years, um, but that's what they were founded on, if I'm correct. Uh, a lot of like high flyers like Sanjay Dutt came through there. Um, I think El Generico came through and Kevin Steen came through. Yeah, so Gen- I think- Generico and Steen, their, Generico and Steen, their first match in the United States was actually for CZW. Okay, well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there's not really much more I can say about this. CZW is a uh, ultraviolet product, and I think they were just an alternative uh, to Chikara that was really big in the area. And also it was something, I guess, uh, for hardcore ECW fans to come and watch as well. A little bit of the best of both worlds, working for both promotions kind of simultaneously. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a lot of learning there. Um, definitely with the booking and the uh, and the writing. Yeah. Of course, we're here to talk about uh, today, and your role is inside of Ring of Honor and their upcoming event, New York City Excellence, coming up on Honor Club this Saturday, June second. Visit rohwrestling.com for more information on how you can become an Honor Club member. Jonathan, you'll be taking on Kenny King, renewing a, a bit of an old rivalry. Of course, about a year ago, your boys in Search and Destroy had quite the confrontation with the Rebellion, but I understand this will be the first time that you two have ever faced off one on one. Yes, this is a first time ever match. Um, I've known Kenny since, what, 2006, back when I was going down to FIP, I think. Years, years ago, yeah. Um, I'm really looking forward to this one. I think both of us have grown since then as competitors, and I think it's going to be a definite styles clash come this weekend. It's going to be very entertaining, that's for sure. Of course, a big win here over the two-time TV champion would really elevate you up the card. Are you looking to capture some uh, ROH gold soon, whether it be from Silas Young or the man who appears to be his opponent coming up at Best in the World, the greatest man who ever lived, Austin Aries, a match with either one of those two gentlemen intrigue you? Oh, definitely, most definitely. Anything that's going to help me climb the ladder within Ring of Honor. But for the most part right now, I think I'm uh, preparing and training hard for my... uh, my next match with Jay Lethal, that's uh, what my focus is on mostly. I was actually just about to ask you one thing before I let you go. Of course, now twice we've seen yourself and Jay Lethal square off. Uh, wh- when are we going to get the third match in this series? Um, to be honest, I've been going back and forth with um, with uh, the Ring of Honor office and booking committee about it. And um, they're letting me know that he's already accepted the challenge and it will happen at a later date. But right now they're not. They're not letting me know when. So um, for me, I just have to make sure I'm ready mentally and physically for this uh, for this match when they finally allow it to happen. Tremendous. Just be careful that when you get into the ring with him, Jonathan, I'm, I'm, I'm not necessarily worried about you, but Jay seems to be uh, having some issues right now. I, I, I'd recommend avoiding the right shoulder. He seems to be uh, flashing back into the, the Black Machismo character. Mm, okay, I'll keep that in mind. Definitely something to look out for. Something to look out for. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us in the locker room today. Best of luck up there in New York City and best of luck of whatever you do going forward because the sky absolutely seems to be the limit. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Hey, this is John Gresham, guys, from Ring of Honor Professional Wrestling. You listen to the locker room. So there you go, man. The man of few words, the octopus, Jonathan Gresham. I was going to say, though, pretty obvious. 
hey, he's known for his in-ring work, and he, and he most certainly is able to get it done. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to his uh, match here at uh, NYC Excellence. Uh, Rick, let's let, let's run down this card to kind of get your, uh, your thoughts on some of these matches going forward, because I think there's a couple of really good matches on this show. Uh, of course, Kenny King takes on Jonathan Gresham, as, as we talked about in the interview. This will be the first time ever these two talents meeting one-on-one. Um, I, I think this could be a really good spot for Jonathan Gresham to pick up a big win over a two-time TV champion, kind of elevate himself into that title picture. I really want to see Jonathan Gresham versus Austin Aries for the ROH TV championship. Oh, yeah, that would be a damn interesting match. Oh, uh, no, but looking at this one, you know, we've, we've said before, that Kenny King's such an incredible talent where just something seems to not be there. Something doesn't actually click all around for him. But we just get down to the basics, bell to bell. And this one could easily, this could be one of those where you look back and arguably it steals the show. Absolutely. Uh, then then we have a, a Women of Honor tag match, and we, we have a little bit of Women of Honor news that we wanted to throw in here uh, as, as we talk about this as well. Uh, Sumi Sakai and Stella Gray taking on Gabby Ortiz and Riley Shepard. Of course, I, I expect a big win for uh, Sumi here, uh, being the champion and all. And then we have uh, Kelly Klein taking on Jenny Rose. I'm looking forward to this match as well, but I think the biggest news coming out of the Women of Honor right now, Rick, evidently Deanna Perrazzo has signed with the WWE. Yeah, you know, news broke earlier here before our recording. As both of us said, very happy for the talent. Go get that payday. Go to that next grand stage. But this is a, a big loss for Women of Honor. I mean, this one, just not just not a big loss. This one really stings. You're talking about taking away you know, one of the very top talents in that division. Yeah, this one hurts. This one absolutely hurts the uh, Women of Honor. This one also hurts All In. It also hurts the Jericho Cruise. Uh, could this be the beginning of the purge? Is WWE going to start throwing the big dick around and start uh, trying to sign up some of these talents? Well, you, and, you and I have talked about this, Jargo. We've talked about it here. Uh, we've talked it over on the Hami Media Group on the in the locker room. You know, WWE's got a lot of play money right now. They're, they're feeling pretty high. They've seen the success of All In. So there's one way to try to bring them down a notch, and that's a, a raid. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of scary. Kind of scary. Uh, also on this show, we're going to have Punishment Martinez and the Briscoes. Well, I, I thought oh. you were going to announce it. One out, one in. You know, because we just had, we just picked up news here before. That's uh, right. Before we went started recording, that news breaking so fast that I forgot about it already. Yes, that, that Perazzo is out of Women of Honor, uh, but they have a, a big pickup. Do you have you have the name there in front of you? I know that you told it to me, and I forgot it already. It's been a long day. Let me pull it up here. You know, I've had two days of vacation here, and I have done so much work over these two days. It, it's the moon. Um, Luke Underground check. Cobra Moon. Cobra Moon, yes. Cobra Moon. Jesus, I was... And we were talking about this, too. Here's another little side tangent. It's been so long since Lucha Underground was on, I almost feel like I need to go back and rewatch Ultima Lucha Trace just to get caught back up. Because it's been, like, almost a year since I've seen any Lucha Underground. I've completely forgot what's going on. I love Lucha Underground, but I'm so lost on all the storylines and characters at this point. It's just terrible. I watch too much goddamn wrestling. That's the problem. See, now I'm glad I never started watching it. 
Oh, you're missing out. You're missing out. God, that'll be my new Wednesday obsession. Jeez, I'm going to have to start reviewing that show, too. Uh, let's talk about Punishment Martinez and the Briscoes taking on the Hung Bucks. Of course, uh, th this is really building two matches at once. At best in the world, we are going to get Punishment Martinez one-on-one -on -one versus the Hangman and the Bucks versus the Briscoes for the ROH Tag Team titles. What do you think of the pairing of Punishment Martinez with the Briscoes? Yeah, this one. Could, this is an interesting matchup. You talk about uh, like an axis of evil. Yeah, right. I mean, I'm curious if these three guys are going to be able to get along, or if Punishment eventually tries to turn on one of the Briscoes, or if the Briscoes just say, "Hey, we don't like you either." Yeah, I think you, I think it's one of those those cases. You come in, uh, you realize you're maybe not the best of friends. You don't want to work with one another, but the direction is ac across the ring. You know, that's where you take your anger at. It's and be interesting. Th and things are going to get very personal in those side programs. I, I think this one's going to be uh, – if you're looking for you know, anything with the Bucks or the Hung Bucks, you expect the high spots. These are going to be vicious. Yeah. I mean you're going to see chairs being thrown, weapons brought into play. This one's going to really resemble something more from an out-of-control ECW match. Than what you're used to with most uh, Hung Buck matches. Yeah, I, I I don't envision a whole lot of high flying from the Young Bucks in this match, or or a whole lot of big high spots. This is going to be a fight. This is absolutely going to be a fight. Uh, th then we have another big first time ever match. At least to me, this is a big match. I don't know if it is to anybody else. Jay Lethal versus Chucky e. T for the first time ever. I can't believe these two have never crossed paths. Well, first time for a singles match. Yeah, first time in a singles match. We, I guess because, we should you know, we, specify we, that. We have a little bit of a cool backstory here because it was just a few weeks ago on Otter Club in a triple threat match also involving Switchblade that Chuck E.T. scored a big pinfall win over Jay Lethal. Let's go on a, a little bit of a being the elite rant here. Uh, Rick, what the hell is going on with Jay Lethal? I even talked to our boy Jonathan Gresham about this. I told Jonathan, if I was him, I would avoid that right shoulder. I don't think he want any part of Black Machismo. What the hell is going on with Jay Lethal? Hey, man, he's all over the place right now, Eddie. Oh, man, I'm loving it, though. I'm absolutely loving it that anytime somebody touches him on that right shoulder, he immediately goes back into his macho man. It's fantastic. It's, it's it. just like hit. It's like hitting the uh, the crazy button. Absolutely love it, and I, I expect Chucky e. T to have a little bit of fun with this. This this could be a very uh, very much a character development match for uh, Jay Lethal, and then we have uh, Rick's biggest, bestest, his favorite dream possible ever could come true: Bully Ray versus Cheeseburger. No DQ, no count out. Rick, is Cheeseburger finally going to get one up on Bully Ray here? Uh, either that or I was going to say, so So this isn't really just a match, an ODQ match, an O'Kanoff. This is actually uh, the funeral of Cheeseburger. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what's <laughs> going on here. I absolutely expect Bully Ray to beat the ever-loving crap out of Cheeseburger. The question is, who is going to come to Cheeseburger's defense? You know what? I'm going to go with – I'm going to go to limb here and say that Bully finds another way out, and he pulls Cheeseburger over top of him and takes the pin. I like it. I like it. All of, all of my number one contenders for who is going to be the guy to finally take out Bully Ray on behalf of Cheeseburger, they're all going to be in New Japan still working best of super juniors here. 
So I, I, I think you're right. I think this is just going to be a continuation. I, I, I think this may be the funeral of Cheeseburger, but I don't think it's going to be the burial. At least not yet. Not yet. Then we get uh, some CMLL uh, interjection into Ring of Honor here for uh, a couple of your uh, your, your big uh, novelty matches. Cody taking on Titan and Ultimo Guerrero taking on Dalton Castle for the ROH World Championship. I think the much more interesting thing here, of course, it has been announced. Cody will be getting his shot at Dalton Castle and the ROH Championship at Best in the World. Oh, yeah, and Marty Skrull is now in that match, too. It is going to be a three-way dance for the ROH World Championship. Rick, I don't see any way Dalton Castle is walking out of best in the world as the ROH champion. You know, as I mentioned to you before, though, I wouldn't mind the swerve here to keep this thing dragging out. We have we have so much so much time between now and, and the potential... I guess we don't have a whole lot because you really need to start building that championship for championship if you're going to go that route. Yeah. I, okay, I'll, I'll throw another another swerve in here. You know, Dalton could he could survive this if we see the a final explosion between the club members and Cody and Marty. But let's let's not forget another angle here. You know, Cody's opponent, or I guess now potential opponent at all in would be Nick uh, Aldis. Aldis, the NWA champion. Let's not forget that Aldis is very, very close with one Marty Scroll. This is true. They're very close. Uh, that could come into play. Maybe he makes an appearance and, and Marty somehow walks out with this championship. Interesting. The plot thickens. The plot thickens. I like it. I like it. It's going to be fascinating to see how this entire situation plays out with the uh, NWA World Heavyweight Championship and the ROH Championship. And, and, you know, maybe we go back to it where now you can have two championship matches at all in. Where now it becomes even more personal between Cody and Aldis because Aldis just screwed Cody, you know, swerved him with this potential of a champion versus champion unification match or, or just champion versus champion winner take all match. And now this huge swerve. Now Marty has is now the champ. Cody's on the outside. He's just beyond pissed. And then Cody can go or uh, Marty can go off and do whatever as the Ring of Honor champion interesting this it's gonna be good man it's gonna be good i'm i'm very much looking forward to this summer and this entire build to all in and just exactly what they do to uh bring this whole thing together let's uh let's jump over to the land of the rising sun quick and let's get your best of super juniors update best of the super junior 世界の強豪が集結するこの舞台で男たちの誇りをかけた戦いが爆発するようこそ激しく華麗なジュニアの世界へそう so, Rick, this is actually uh, being recorded on Thursday. I think most people know that. It is actually Thursday, May 31st. Of course, this episode will be coming out on Friday. So these are your current standings. As of May 31st, and then I've got a couple of questions for you. In the A block, we now have a new leader atop the board here. We have Ishimori and Will Ospreay sitting in at eight points. 
Then at six points, we have Yo, Bushi, Flip, and Angry Tiger Mask. At four points, Kanemaru and ACH. Obviously, the A block is uh, one match further into the tournament at this point with one match remaining. Uh, Ishimori and Osprey leading the pack. Obviously, these two faced off night one with Ishimori getting the win. So if they finish with the same amount of points, Ishimori advances to the finals. Ishimori versus Yo. Osprey takes on Flip Gordon. Rick, who are you liking to advance out of the A block? Well, I'm going to tell you, this is interesting, isn't it? That you trust in Gato. Trust in Gato. This is so intense right now. They could go a number of directions. You know, is this really anyone's game? But I, I still got to I gotta lean towards the champ. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm leaning Osprey, but when I look, can I, can I actually see Yo beat Ishimori here? Like Osprey over Flip, absolutely. That I can see happening. But Yo over Ishimori? Well, you talk about a huge one, but you know, but Ishimori, he's he has that ace in the in the pocket. You know, he has that winner of the champ, correct? Yeah, he's already got the win. He's already guaranteed a shot. He is already guaranteed an opportunity here, whether it's at Dominion or otherwise. It's fascinating stuff, man. Fascinating stuff. I, I still, I still think we see Osprey the champ emerge here and set up one of those two big challenge dream matches uh, for the for the juniors at that next big event. All right, so let's talk about the B block and talk about anybody's game and possible to call. Of course, there's two matches remaining here. By the time you're listening to this, we'll have a much better perspective of who's coming out of the B block. At this point, I have got it narrowed down to Hiromu or Kushida thanks to tiebreakers and looking at future opponents. As it stands right now, you have Dragon Lee, Hiromu, Kushida, and Marty Skrull all at six points. Chris Sabin, El Desperado, Taguchi, and Show at four points. Marty, though he has the easiest path to the final, has lost to both Hiromu and Kushida in this tournament. With them facing one another the final night, one of them is going to win. I think our favorite villain is officially out of this thing thanks to the tiebreakers. So between Hiromu and Kushida, Rick, who do you like between these two to come out of the B block? Man, this is a tough one. It, 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 it makes it a little more tough because I'm just, I'm really just learning so much about them. Well, I mean, Kushida, of course, the defending best of the Super Juniors champion, but Hiromu, when you look at this tournament, Hiromu is the most over of all of the juniors at this point. I mean, he's there at this point. How many, how many back-to-back champs have there been? I mean, is this going to be of true historic significance? Um, if Kushida would win this, it's not necessarily significant because it's back to back, but it would be significant in the respect that he would only be the third person to have won the tournament three times. Okay. So, I mean, that's a great, that's a great moment. Absolutely. Uh, great addition to one's resume. He's chasing some history here. Uh, but as you're saying, you know, Hiromu is, is over big time. Well, I mean, it's, I, I would, it's a coin flip really for. The potential, I guess, what would be more, what would be more of interest going forward for some one of these individuals go to the finals? That's the tough I mean, one, man. That's what the is, tough what's, one. What's the long run? I mean, which, who do you think has the better payoff, or what works for each going forward? Well, I'm gonna go with Hiromu only because we just recently 
Sakushita versus Will Ospreay. Of course, with Ospreay getting the win there, it would make sense that if you're going to do Kushida versus Ospreay, that Kushida would get the win, do the back-to-back, win it for the third time, but then you're actually getting Ospreay and Kushida for a third time at Dominion. I don't think that's what's going to happen. So I'm going to go with Hiromu versus Ospreay, unfortunately, with Ospreay winning the tournament and then naming Rey Mysterio as his challenger at Dominion. I think that's the end game. But just like, out of curiosity, if you would pin the champ and win the tournament, are you guaranteed two opportunities? No, you are not, unfortunately. Which, it would make sense, but no, you're, you're just only guaranteed your one title shot still. Um, yeah, I'm going with Osprey to win this damn thing, man. Is, is that kind of where you're at as well? Yeah, we've said it from the beginning. We've looked at... We gave some other options, how the possibilities, what could play out. But, you know, all along, the smart money was on the champ. So uh, uh, then we have our, our second interview here. Uh, this is with the uh, Heels and Quads uh, podcast. Uh, these guys are going to be joining us up at StarCast. We talked about a whole bunch of stuff when I had these guys on the show. We talked about Omega and Okada. We talked a little bit about the best of the Super Juniors. This was actually recorded, I believe it was Tuesday afternoon. So uh, the, the results that we have inside of this uh, interview are a little bit dated. But uh, I, I really enjoy these guys. I'm looking forward to meeting them at StarCast. They are going to be at StarCast on Friday. Of course, Rick and I will be up there on Thursday. Rick, they have a very special request i have not told you about yet oh uh, you know it well i was gonna say before we before we jump into it uh, i think you should probably share this, this maybe this new concept that we have going forward uh it was the brainchild of jargo where we're going to be reaching out and and cross-promoting and working with some of the other podcasts that are going to be involved at, at all in Yep. And uh, we have some emails out. We, we, we've got uh, four people that we're going to be bringing on the show uh, over the course of the weekend. I'm going to sit down with the Kings of pro wrestling. Of course, we're going to talk a little bit of new Japan. Um, we're going to get super kicking it with Kelsey. They're going to be on the show. We, we've got all kinds of stuff lined up, man. And then uh, once we're d- through with that batch, then we're just going to rotate them and I'm going to email another batch and we're just going to keep this thing going until we get all of the podcasts that are going to be at Starcast on this show, get everybody familiar with their voices and maybe, you know, they can pick up a few listeners. And then when we go on their show, hopefully we can pick up a few listeners of theirs. Would you like to know when we're going to go on their show, Rick? I'm excited about this. This is going to be cool. Well, let's hear. We are going to go on their show at Starcast. Now you may have heard me say that they are going to be broadcasting on Friday. For those who do not know, the Friday of StarCast Weekend is Huckleberry number one and I's one year anniversary of hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. Tommy and Levi want us to do our anniversary on their show. What a awesome, bunch of man. selfish was- bastards, huh? What a bunch of selfish. We don't even get to enjoy our anniversary. We got to go on there with Tommy and Levi. No, I'm just kidding. That's uh, going to well, be a no, because no, I know we're going to have a great day that day anyway because it looks like uh, that's probably going to be around the, the meet and greet time. But I know we're going to be running around with our with all of our cronies, the guys that are on that are in our wrestling circle. We're all going to be meeting up for the first time. It's just going to be an, an incredible experience. So, so here's the interview with uh, Tommy and Levi. Rick will be right back to close out the show. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
So we're back for the guest spot. Joining me on this week's episode, peeps, freaks, and geeks, give it up for Levi and Tommy of the Heels and Quads podcast. Find them on Twitter at Heels and Quads. Gentlemen, welcome inside the locker room studios. I'm sorry, Rick just left it a mess the other day. It's all right. Thanks for having we're us. Clean up. We, you are you are the first gentleman that I'm having on the show. Uh, I, I had this bright idea while I was in the shower the other day. Yes, I was thinking of these two gentlemen while I was in the shower. No, that's <laughs> not what was going on. I, I was you. sitting there and I was like, you know, if, <laughs> if all the wrestlers are getting together and all the wrestlers are going all in and making one big show, why don't I just reach out to all the other podcasts that are going to be on Podcast Row? The hell with it. Let's let's get our own network going on here. This is all about networking, right? That's the idea of StarCast. Why don't you guys uh, tell the peeps, the freaks, the geeks a little bit about your show and why they should be listening to Heels and Quads? <clears throat> well, Tommy, you or I? It's a fight the to the death. The is yours. It's a fight to the death. Heels and Quads, Heels and Quads Wrestling Podcast is a one-of-a-kind amongst many, many wrestling podcasts. Uh, but... We specialize in just about everything, and uh, we're longtime fans. Tommy's been a fan since 88? Uh, 91. I was 91. four. My first match, I've told it on the podcast before, was Hacksaw Jim Duggan versus the Macho King. Dig it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize Jay Lethal was here. He's snapping back into it. And uh, I've been wrestling fan since late 97, early 98. I was about four or five. My earliest recollections of wrestling was Kane. And I believe it was right after the Hell in a Cell match from Bad Blood 97. So, so basically, ever since it's, then I, it's, it's been all downhill since you started watching the product is what you're saying. That's right. <laughs> I blame him every day of my life. You know, still to this day, everybody says, why are you, why are you, you mean you're talking wrestling like, like Hulk Hogan, like fake wrestling? And I'm like, first of all, don't use the F word. Second, I never grew up, so get over it, dude. What's the point in growing up, man? What the right. hell's the why? point? And I have three boys now that are all in wrestling with me. So it's like, I don't have to grow up because yeah, I have them you. and they're like, I want to watch wrestling. I want to go to wrestling. And that's kind of like. That's kind of like when my love came back is when they got into it. And I was like, I want to talk about wrestling every day. Dude, I so have that same story. I have that same story, but with three girls. All three of my girls are you, super into it. And that's what got me back into it. And then the whole podcast world opened up, man. It's got to be a lot of fun with three boys watching this stuff. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. And the whole thing with that is, is like you were saying with the, the StarCast thing, it's like, I mean, everybody needs to put their own egos aside because we are one community. So if the, the Joe Six Pack, as I'm drinking my ice cold gimmick, if Joe Six Pack wants to listen to a podcast, he's going to listen to six podcasts. At least. He's not going to listen to one. I was looking through my podcast feed the other day. It's retarded. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I subscribe, you know, What Happened When, Something to Wrestle, 83 Weeks Now, Eric Bischoff's new show, which is fantastic. I still haven't checked um, that out. I subscribed to you guys this morning, actually, after listening to an episode, and we shot the shit briefly. But, you know, I was like, I like these guys. I like their voice. I want to listen to them. Yeah, you guys got a straight-up radio voice, man. We love it. 
It's it's all the compression that it, that's all done in post. It's all done in post. As you can tell, my voice doesn't sound nearly that cool now. But you know, I throw all the cool shit over the top of it, and suddenly I sound like a god. <laughs> a god oh, of thunder. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm totally gonna reverb the hell out of that. So it's I am a god. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Da, 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 da. But uh, yeah, I sound gimmick. like a, I sound like a 13 year old boy still. Like my well, like I'm still hitting puberty. So I didn't know if I could say. It's hilarious because you look and sound so much like my friend Otto. It's it's kind of creepy. It's kind of creepy. Like Otto from The Simpsons? Josh Otto. Well, yeah, kind of. He kind of is Otto <laughs> from The Simpsons, except he drives on a tracker. Shout out to Josh Otto. Shout out to Josh Otto. I like that. <laughs> so so what in the world of professional wrestling right now, what has got your guys' attention? Um, I, I, I know we, you were saying you cover basically everything other than impact, which means that unfortunately you're missing out on Sammy Callahan and Eddie Edwards, which is fantastic. Oh no, I'm watching that. Don't worry. Uh, what about evil <laughs> bunny alley? That's fun. Yeah. I can't do every week. Uh, I do get, I try behind. to keep up though. But yeah, I mean, our our fingers on the pulse. Our know? thing is, our thing is, our our, our friends, uh, Big Ray Hernandez and Ben Hameen, they they run the Impact Attack, and if we start covering Impact, Ben Hameen's gonna give me a five dollar face slap for free, and ain't nobody <laughs> wanting a five dollar face slap for free from the Ayatollah Ben Hameen. So we just we don't even touch Impact Wrestling. Uh, so. <laughs> So what's got your attention? Is it is it Omega and Okada? Is it Gargano and Ciampa? What 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 is re- what is the most passionate thing going on inside of the world of professional wrestling for you right now, Tommy? Go ahead. Um, I mean, at this point, I honestly just think we're all all in, all in. You yeah. know, um, but Omega Okada, obviously for. Uh, two out of three falls, no time limit. That's obviously intriguing. Uh, we both, I think Levi will agree with me that we both think that Omega's got to win here. He's got to win that belt. You don't think so? Nope. All right. So I was doing some research. I'm open to opinions. I was doing some research the other day, right? Uh, the, the record for the longest reigning Japanese champion in modern history is 735 days. And that record is held by Kenta Kobashi, but it's a pro wrestling Noah record. As of today, oh, as right. of today, I'm with, you. I'm with you. As of today, Okada's at 709. All he has to do is get past okay. Omega and he breaks that record too. You think they're going to have him break it? I, 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 I was 100% sold on Omega winning this thing, and then I found that out, and I went, ooh, wait, maybe and that's, Yeah, not. you might have just turned me, too. Maybe is that combined not. title reign days combined? No, that's, that that's one, one, one title reign. Okay. And yeah, I mean, well, that's a good argument. That's yeah. got to be tempting for them to break. That's got to yeah. be tempting. So maybe do you they think do... Omega wins it at all in? See, originally I thought that Omega would win it and then the rematch would be at all in. That was what I had originally thought. But now, I don't know, man. I don't know. But then the other problem becomes if Okada goes over, then what? I mean, he's beaten everyone. Yeah. I mean, does he He's, just like vacate the title just so he can start from the bottom? <laughs> maybe, maybe he makes <laughs> a run at Bruno San Martino's run. Maybe, maybe right. Okada's going to yeah. hold this yeah. thing for 2,000 days. 
I Could mean, you that, see him in the future being a potential WWE sign, or do you think he sticks no. around because he's kind of their poster boy? My understanding is that they're the only two people in the WWE who are making more money than Okada are Brock Lesnar and John Cena. Yeah, yeah. I believe it. Okay, he's he's their we, guy. We've talked about that before too. It's like Okada and Omega are just sitting pretty in Japan. Omega, so why? See that that's the other thing though. Omega's contract is up in January. Yep. If they don't me, put the title down. on him, if they don't <laughs> put the title on him, is he as good as gone? Well, I feel that, like because he said a while back, he was saying, he, you know, everybody asks him, he gets flooded with a question all the time. Of course. You go to WWE, you go to WWE, everybody, you know, it's people believe it's the be all end all. And for some wrestlers, it is. Some wrestlers, it isn't. But he said he's happy with what he's doing right now. And he said he's still got some things he wants to do before he leaves Japan and the Indies. So. Well, Japan. So, I mean, it it makes you wonder if he if he gets one reign before he goes, you know, because he was the first ever U.S. IWGP U.S. champion. So it makes you wonder if he's going to get one reign as the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion just for a little bit. And then maybe what Tommy said, he drops it back at all in. I mean, there's so many, you know, it's all speculation. That's why we're that's why we like wrestling, because we can <laughs> sit here and speculate. But well, I mean, you never know. the way I had originally laid this thing out would be. Omega wins the title at um, Dominion. Dominion. Then he retains the title at All In. Ibushi wins the G1. And you finally get Ibushi and Omega in the Dome January 4th. Yeah. Ibushi takes the title from Omega. Omega debuts in the Rumble. Because at that point, there's nothing left for Kenny. Yeah. I like that. That I honestly, I mean, I agree. I think that last little bit is just he needs that title before he accolades, just an accolade, yeah, because yeah. well, and he wants you know, and I think I feel like they would want to put it on him. They put it on the likes of Brock and AJ. You know, they've put it on the Americans before, and or Canadian. He's Canadian, but whatever. You know, uh, North. So Americans. I, I feel I've yeah, North American, North American, so yeah. I, I feel like Kenny's got a reign in there somewhere, whether that be your uh, your theory just now, or he holds it past Dominion and drops the belt at, or Okada holds it past Dominion and drops the belt at All In. I mean, you know, it's I don't know. It's because the great thing that's one thing I like about New Japan so much, and I think you guys would probably agree, is that obviously now we know that. The bit, the Fed WWE is uh, New York. so predictable. New York, yeah, is so predictable. <laughs> but when you watch Ring of Honor, you watch Japan, you watch PWG, you watch all these indies, it's not as predictable. You don't know what's going to happen. So it makes it more fun for us wrestling fans nowadays, you know. And they're getting so much uh, exposure now. It's you know, Bullet Club shirts are in hot topic. You know, that's it's crazy. So it's a big deal. Yeah, so I mean, it's just that's another thing I think everybody can enjoy so much about outside of WWE uh, is that you never know. Yeah, I, I love the element of surprise when it comes to this yeah. stuff. Well, and just to add, just to add real quick to what Levi was saying, it was like last December. Did anybody actually see Dalton Castle beating Cody? Oh, don't get me started on Dalton Castle. I love Dalton fan Castle. Fan or not a fan? I, I love Dalton Castle, but I feel like he is severely miscast as the Ring of Honor champion. Yeah. I'm with you. You're absolutely right. I mm-hmm. mean, 
this title reign is not and and I honestly think that's why like <clears throat> excuse me on a Sunday when NWA posted that video from Honor United Nick Aldis is like I'm not going to put my title on the line unless you can ring win the ROH championship which, which makes total off. sense pisses me off he's taken he's sense. taken Marty's championship spot this yeah, is no, yeah. I, Marty should no, be I, the ROH champion right now 100% agree yep. but this looks like a way to get the strap as we call it off of Dalton Castle like I love the idea of Cody going after the NWA title I, I see all the potential in the world there but as soon as they brought the, the ROH ministry. title into it I was like oh come on really too much so it's a- just make it just make it a Rhodes thing man because that's what right that's what all in is all about like once they announced it I was like Oh my God, he's all in yep. for the legacy. Yep, and and yeah. I no was absolutely intended, on board intended. with that. But Cody with the ROH title and through September, and then I feel like Matt Taven's taken the title in December. Yeah. So when the hell does Marty get his shot here? Marty might as well quit the Bullet Club and go join the Kingdom. There's obviously a conspiracy going on here. He's yeah, becoming Marty long is one overdue of the- for that title. Oh, he's Marty's so one of the most over. Over wrestlers right now. He's so beyond. There was I was watching Anywhere. an episode of Monday Night Raw when uh, Finn Balor was in the match, and the two sweet whoop whoop chants started up, and I was like, the most yeah. over guy on Monday Night Raw is Marty Skrull. When you You're look doing the, it on the, the, WWE the special events, yeah. You you look in the audience, and it's forty uh, percent Bullet Club shirts, just a random number. But I mean, everywhere you look. Villain Club, Young Bucks, Bullet Club. It's it's everywhere. Well, and that's and, how the hot topic I mean, they have deal to notice happened. That. Um, yeah. I, I guess the story is there were some hot topic executives at WrestleMania, and they were looking around, seeing all the Bullet Club shirts, and they said, we want those in our store. And WWE had to say, I'm sorry, those aren't ours. That's how the damn hot topic deal happened. It's yeah. ridiculous. And they you know deserve that. it. You know, Vince Absolutely. doesn't pay too much attention, as the rumors would say, that he doesn't pay too much attention to outside promotions. But you know that this doesn't go unnoticed. You know he sees every bit of it. One more quick question before I let you gentlemen go. Who's winning the best of Super Juniors? Mm. Oh. God. I know I'm asking the hard one, questions, man. man. The hard <laughs> questions. I've never honestly been stumped on a wrestling question before, and I am. Are you are you guys following the tournament closely? Yeah, oh yeah. Um Sho and Yo are both impressive. Um I, do I think they're though one of them will win? No, but they're impressive. Um I I'm higher on Sho than Yo though. Yeah, um, I mean, I want Marty to win. Oh man, I would like Marty to win, but I don't. I think know it's, it's gonna not going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> this is why we do a show together, ladies and gentlemen. Um, that's a tough one. I haven't followed it as close as I would like to. I I, I wish the shows were live on lately. New Japan World instead yeah. of this video yeah. on demand stuff. Yeah, that's the. New Japan, I mean, the toughest part, and, like, we did Wrestle Kingdom, and it was so hard for us to, like, stay awake because it's so late. It's in the middle of the week, um, you know, 
So it's hard to stay with it, but the nice you know, we thing, always go though, back. The nice thing, though, is you know next year on January 4th, you get to do it again. Oh, of course we do. You know. Why not? That's uh, As much as people complain about, <laughs> oh, it's in the middle of the week. No, it's not in the middle of the week. It's always on January 4th. That's the idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that, yeah. And that, and that's what I was getting at is, you know, I learned my lesson this year because the Jericho Omega thing was so hyped and we were so into it that I've already put in a request from my shoot job, as we call it on the show, to be off. January 4th yeah, and, and 5th, I am off work because I am not going to do that again. I'll sleep during the day. I'll be up all night. And I want to have a review for Wrestle Kingdom 2019. The second I want to start recording it, the second it's over. Are you guys doing the same for Dominion? I have a very busy weekend that weekend, but I uh, I'm going to be watching it ASAP, so I won't get to watch it live. And we'll we'll do a prediction show with Dominion, and then obviously we'll get the My review out as soon as we can. Yeah, you're right. It's Jericho taking it. Working. No. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, I mean, oh, no, no, no. Yes, yes. He's going to lose. Yes. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I, I misread that. I, 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 re- I absolutely need Chris Jericho to win the IWGP Intercontinental Championship just so and he be can say. Ten time. He is the greatest IWGP champion or Intercontinental Champion of all time. And then I've got to get. Do we really want to take that away from Honky Tonk Man? Yes. You think? uh, Yes, we do. (laughs) You're not cool, cocky, and bad. You know, (laughs) here's the thing that's so funny about the Honky Tonk Man. You realize that's a rib, right? Like oh, at, yeah. at some oh, point, yeah. the whole like he's the greatest intercontinental champion of all time, like actually became folklore. That was all bullshit. That was a rib <laughs> on the honky tonk man. I know. And that's the best part. That's why I don't want to take it away from him. Like, it's so do funny. you think uh, Flip Gordon could win the best of super juniors? Absolutely not. Absolutely. You not. Think so? Hashtag booked before flip. Yes, we were. Yeah. Yes, we all <laughs> yeah. were because we're all in and we're all in for StarCast. We're all in for StarCast. It's going to be great, man. I can't wait to get up there in September. Meet you fine gentlemen. Maybe exchange a brew or two and who knows what Oh, else. yeah. Who Party in a hotel room somewhere. Oh, I, I have a feeling there will be a lot of partying in hotel rooms going on and StarCast I, weekend. I will, bl- I will blade like Ric Flair for everybody. Ooh, I look forward to that. I look forward yes. to that. See, now if you're not going to StarCast, now you got to go just so you can see Tommy Blade. You guys, that's should, right. You should. You guys really should do a video podcast just so people can see what I've been seeing this entire time. These oh, two trying to pop each other back and forth. It's freaking tremendous. As I'm watching my children playing a slip can and you slide see me? outside for a door. Yeah, yes, we, we can, can see, see you. you. Oh, my, cam- my camera's black for some reason. It shows my little spot is black. Yeah, you're okay. not John I'm Cena. I can me. see you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Popsky! All right, why don't you, gentlemen? Uh, yeah, uh, no. uh, why don't Levi? Why don't you uh, tell people how to find you on social media? How to find the show on social media? You can find me at Levi D Zindel on Twitter. You can find me at Levi Zinfandal, like the wine, on Instagram. You can find Tommy at Mister Tommy Walter on Twitter, and you can find the podcast, the show page at at Heels and Quads on Twitter, at Heels and Quads Wrestling Podcast on Instagram. You can find us on all podcast platforms, not the podcast networks. You can find us on Anchor, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Overcast, uh, Radio Starcast. Public. <laughs> Starcast, you can find us there. 
Uh, yeah, Radio Public. Please listen on the Radio Public app because it helps support all podcasts. Tommy, anything else you want to put over? I just want to say that Levi's a son of a bitch. Like, not, well, no, I, I take that back because his mom's a sweet woman. I love her Thank dearly. You. And uh, anytime there's a storm, I will check on her. Thank However, you. I would also like to announce <laughs> that if you don't listen to our show, please subscribe and leave a review as with these guys right away. And check us out at ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash heels and quads. That's right. Thanks a and lot, guys. And we, uh, we greatly appreciate you guys for uh, having us on here today. Oh, absolutely, man. And we'll, we'll have to do this again. This was actually a lot of fun. We'll have to, we'll have to get together and uh, talk some New Japan sometime for sure. Yeah, oh, we'll yeah, get, you guys on, get you guys on Heels and Quads. Yeah, we'll get you over there, and Rick can, Rick can come, and we'll put you over. Oh, yeah, bring the Huckleberry. Bring my favorite Huckleberry. Hashtag Huckleberry Club. Ooh, ooh. There we go. All right, guys, thanks a lot. Hey, thanks, man. Yeah, thank you, man. Have a good one. So that's Tommy and Levi. That's Tommy and Levi. Levi reminds me so much of my friend Josh Otto. It's freaking creepy, man. They like they look so much alike and they talk so much alike. Those guys are from Arkansas. They're they're going to be coming all the way up to Chicago for Starcast. At least you just got to take the train. I'm just going to drive up. It's only a few hours, but man, all the way from down south. It's going to be awesome. Now he's just sitting there making faces at me, just like Levi and Tommy did. You see how that is? You see how it is? We hang out with these guys, and all of a sudden, Huckleberry's got a bad attitude. Jeez. So that's going to wrap things up for this week. Before we close out the show, one more shout-out to our newfound friends, Levi and Tommy, over at Heels and Quads. Find them on Twitter, at Heels and Quads. Those guys are so much fun. Those guys are so much fun. Season 2, Episode 22. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button on your listening device. Then head over to thegorillaposition.com as they tell the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. Check out Huckleberry and I this Monday over in the locker room at hackerhameen.podbean.com as we talk all the news from the weekend and preview what's coming for the upcoming week. Find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. And now you can find my new show, This is NXT at One Wrestling Video, home of the legendary Bill Apter on YouTube. Rick, how do the peeps, the freaks, the geeks, and Big Ray Hernandez find you? Uh, as always, you can catch me across all social media platforms at the Real RBV. And to make sure you're going over to Facebook and checking out the Hami Media Discussion Group, we're going to uh, have a little announcement for our next big tournament, our next big uh, interactive fantasy tournament. We're going to have that announcement going on this weekend, so you're going to want to check that out. Uh, and much like Jargo, each and every week, you can find me Mondays with the Hami Media Group in the locker room. Also over with OneWrestling.com at One Wrestling Video, uh, but he has the NXT duty. I jump in with our man Big Ray Hernandez as we're going to be covering. Uh, we've kind of break down the WWE week for you on our show called Smack Talk. You got screwed, man. You got to watch five hours of this stuff. I only got to watch one. Get yeah, on, man. And you got the only me. good hour. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for listening, guys. Be sure to catch us next week as we sit down and talk some new Japan pro wrestling with the king of pro wrestling podcast. Find them on Twitter, KOPW72. We'll talk to you Monday in the locker room. For now, we're out. We're, I did it again. I can't talk. I get to like the last five words of the show. And I can't talk. We're off like a prom dress. See ya! Point your fingers. Label me. I don't give up. I'll be your bad guy. Stop, stop, go.
tripping the blame on me. I smell self-righteousness. That's the bad guy. Go! Label. 